In American society, money is a taboo topic. We're taught at a young age it's improper to talk about it, but we're also bombarded with messages about the power and importance of money in our everyday lives. And by not talking about it, we miss out on the skills and lessons we need to effectively understand and financially plan. That changes today. Welcome to Money Tales. Hosted by Sandy Brager and Cami Doder, Money Tales brings more than 35 years of combined professional experience in personal finance to demystify money and demonstrate what it's like to speak openly about personal financial matters. Join us each episode as they interview modern day movers and shakers about how money decisions intertwine with their daily lives in order to give you better insight into productive financial conversations. Subscribe today and register for our blog Fathom at aspirient.com slash podcasts to increase your money mojo. And now, here's Cammy and Sandy. Kathy Belasek is our guest this week on Money Tales. Life can take unexpected turns and change in an instant. For Kathy, life went from wife to caregiver to widow when her husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Suddenly, she was left to parent five kids on her own. The experience taught Kathy the importance of having a dream team of professionals to help navigate life's challenges. Let me tell you a little more about Kathy. She's an educator, empathy and grief communication coach, university lecturer, speaker, and widow advocate. Combining her 25 years of teaching, coaching, and personal experience, she created a tool called Grief Smart Professional to help professionals connect and support their people and clients who are experiencing loss and grief. Here are three key money topics Kathy hits on in this conversation. First, when negotiating your compensation, be sure to consider advocating for other perks and benefits that can add value to your life. Second, how you can learn a lot about money through life experiences if you keep your antenna up. And third, how when someone dies, there's a daunting amount of financial action steps to take. During this time, friends and family members often want to help. Kathy suggests keeping a list of these tasks so that you can assign them when someone offers their assistance. We hope you share this episode with a friend and please subscribe to Money Tales on your favorite podcast platform. Now on to our conversation with Kathy Belasik. Welcome to the Money Tales podcast. I'm Cami Doder. And I'm Sandy Brager. Cami, I am excited to share that my husband and I stumbled upon the Wham! documentary on Netflix the other night. Oh, that's right. You were talking about that. It was really fun to relive part of the 80s, learn more about mm. that band. And of course, it motivated me to listen to some of their music because it's been a couple decades. And I was listening to a song called Freedom by Wham. So not the George Michael solo artist freedom song that might come mm. to more people's minds, but the Wham Freedom song. And there's a lyric in there that says, like a prisoner who has his own key. This is a song about love. He's in love with the wrong person, but he can't let go. But there's something about that lyric that just made me focus on it. Like a prisoner who has his own key. And I was thinking, there's so many things in our life that we imprison ourselves with. And sometimes money conversations can be one of those things because we're afraid it's awkward. It's different. We haven't talked about money before. It feels like we can't do it. And so we imprison ourselves. But if we get through that discomfort when it exists and really put ourselves out there and have these money conversations, it can be quite freeing in my experience, working with clients in my own personal life. And of course, here on Money Tales. 
So Sandy, I'm thinking about the keys. It's a great line. What are some keys? And we've talked about some about being curious, about starting with some really low-hanging fruit, easy questions. And just getting up the nerve and just saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have at least one money conversation today, one intentional money conversation. There's lots of unintentional little money conversations that come up, but I'm really talking about the important ones where you really open yourself up and learn something new or share something with someone that you care about on the topic of money. Challenge accepted, Sandy. I'm going to have one intentional money conversation today. Wonderful. And we're going to have one right now, Cammie. I'm so excited. Let's do it. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Kathy Belasek. Welcome to the Money Tales podcast. Thank you so much. I have been looking forward to this. Oh, I appreciate that. Would you introduce yourself and in doing so, share a couple pivotal moments taking place in your life that really impacted who you are today? Okay, thanks. My name is Kathy Bolasic, and I live in Chico, California, but I grew up in a small town in Montana. I was born and raised there. And my life is shaped with meaning from people and situations. And I grew up with like rock star parents. My dad was a teacher, my mom, stay at home mom. It was just a really small town. I graduated with 20 kids. We did everything. Wow. You didn't go buy things, you borrowed things. And I had this beautiful youth growing up there. I had a love of sports, games, and play. My dad was a basketball coach, so we grew up with a basketball in our hand. And so I went to college to be a physical education teacher and athletic coach. I really loved that. And never in a million years would my past be shaped by what I'm doing now because I got married. I was teaching for a while and I got married, met, I mean, the most fabulous man. And he had Mm -hmm. three little kids that I had the blessing of loving and being a stepmom. We moved to California. We shared custody of those children with their mom. And that was such a privilege to get to have kids that I hadn't had kids yet. And so I learned so much from being a step-parent. And what really changed our lives in that time frame was I went from wife to caregiver to widow. My husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor when I was in my 30s, and life completely changed. I was faced with the fact that now I am parenting five kids moving forward, and I'm so grateful to their biological mom that she allowed me to parent them also along with our two that we had together. So I have a starting five. I have five kids moving forward. You know, when you experience something like that, it completely changes you and shapes you. And I've always said that widowhood is financial. I never thought about money prior to this. I grew up in a little town. Dad was a teacher. I didn't know we didn't have money, but I can imagine we didn't looking back. So this instance shaped my life and every decision I've made since then. And it's been 19 years. Wow. Every decision still has a financial component. 
as a woman making these decisions on their own. There are so many lessons I've learned along the way. Things I did great, mistakes I made, and picked myself up to make some strong financial decisions to secure my future. So this oh led me... Gosh, Kathy. <laughs> I can laugh now, but I spent several years in deep grief, not wanting to even get out of bed. It is my community, my friends, my family, my faith that got my rear in gear and said, I'm here. There's work to be done, people to help, and a family to raise. Recently, a couple of years ago, all my kids are raised. I'm an empty nester. And I knew I always wanted to do something with my experience. I teach at the university. I have a wonderful schedule. I teach Tuesdays and Thursdays at California State University, where I train teachers and coaches. And I knew I wanted to do something about widowhood and grief. So I started diving into the research. And based on the fact that widowhood is financial, I knew that I could help financial professionals relate best to grieving people. Because if we don't have a dream team of professionals working for us and with us, we don't have a prayer moving forward to a secure financial future. So I've been doing that and I've been speaking and training and having a ball talking about grief and money, money. Yeah. <laughs> which are two taboo subjects. Yeah. And this has just been my next act. Kathy, what a journey. And I'm sorry about the fact that you're an expert in grief. I'm glad you're an expert in money. We'll get to a lot of this. Could we go back to your small town upbringing and share with us? It sounds like you had no concept of money. You didn't buy things. You borrowed things. But there is that point in life where we become present to some aspects of financial. You talked about, obviously, your husband and becoming a widow. Let's dig a little deeper. When you were a kid, was there any moment where money had meaning or that your parents were talking about it where it sort of clicked in? I think some of the things when I look back now and think of those money memories, I remember a time when I knew I wanted some money. I knew I wanted to go buy something. We'd go swimming every day and we'd get to stop at the little store and buy a popsicle. And, and there were some days I didn't get to buy a popsicle. And I'm thinking, I really want some money. So I can remember like smashing cans and we'd get to go take them to the recycle and we'd get some money. The entrepreneurial, sneaky, naughty, but nice Kathy was thinking, well, maybe <laughs> if I put some little pebbles in these cans, they would weigh more. Oh, you did not. I did. And I got in the worst trouble. And my dad, he was like, you can't do that anymore. Sorry, you're cut off. And I'm like, I won't do it again. I learned right then that working, working honestly, earning something fair was really important. So I started asking my parents if I could do different things around the house to make some extra money. And that was my first real memory of trying to get money, but then trying to buck the system and then taking the hard lesson of having no chance to have money. Really great lessons there, not only about honesty, but also resilience and persistence and finding other ways. 
Kathy, tell us about when you were becoming an adult and separating from your childhood family. You said that you really didn't know about money until your husband died, but surely there must have been some interactions that were different as you went off to college and kind of moved into your career initially. Tell us about that. Absolutely. I had the privilege of having a grandfather who sent all four of us to college. He wanted to be a lawyer and he didn't have enough money to be a lawyer. And so he had to go a different route for college. And he vowed that all four of us kids would go to college. And so when I went to college, I was just free and easy and living the life, thinking I had a bottomless pit in the checking department and learning the firsthand that, oh yeah, you can bounce a check, which in today's world, my kids wouldn't even know what that is, but lack of funds basically in the account. And so I started thinking, wow, I really have to think about this because I'm a spender. I'm just going to say it right out. I love spending. I love fashion. I love pretty things, all girly. Even though I'd worked in high school and I can remember my dad would say, I'll match whatever you save. If you give me a hundred dollars, I'll match it. That was short-lived. Couldn't help yourself. Yes. And so all of these missed opportunities that my parents were trying to instill in us. And then at college, I was like, how does that matching thing work again, dad? (laughs) And he's like, well, I'll match 50%. And so we started doing that. And so I worked in college and all of that. And growing up underneath a teacher and going into teaching, all four of my siblings are teachers. There's a mentality of we do it for free and teachers take less money. And I've really learned to shift that conversation of this is the most important job in the world. And I ask for what I want. I negotiate for what I can't and have another perk. And I look for teaching positions that have insurance, have pensions, well beyond those things. And I wouldn't have thought of that prior. So that was my first time getting that first teaching job that I really started to figure about, oh gosh, I need insurance. I have to take care of myself. Even though it was a paycheck, it was more than I'd ever made. I thought, geez, I've won the lottery as a teacher because I just had never experienced money in my bank account. Kathy, that's pretty amazing. And when you say you didn't really learn about money until after your husband died, I'm sitting here thinking, hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't sound like that's full truth. Yeah, I think probably I did learn, but it was more like budgetary, more like, okay, I have enough to do this. I have enough to pay for that. And understanding that when I went to the doctor and learning, oh, okay, my insurance pays for this, or, oh, somebody hit my car and, oh gosh, a deductible. So I guess I learned through experience where money was. Math is not my forte. I never thought about the long term. I never thought about retirement and investing. For lack of a better word, just let life happen. Which is very common. Would you say more about, I thought this is so important as a teacher or at a certain point when you're younger, you said, you learn to ask for what I want and negotiate for things that maybe are different than just the monetary. Would you share more about what was your negotiation? Well, I learned to never take the first no 
my parents instilled that in me and to really decide exactly what I want. And so when I negotiate, even now, when I have clients contact me and they want me to speak or train, it's always a negotiation. And I think it's really important for women to say, this is what I need. This is what I deliver. This is what I'm willing to negotiate. How does that sound to you? It's a back and forth. And I had to get there. It's about confidence. And it's about really, truly knowing what you want. But we've all experienced times where we did something for nothing or felt taken advantage of in the money department. And I thought, I don't like feeling that way. And that was probably my fault because I didn't spell it out. In education, this is your base. Okay, that's just what it is. But are there opportunities to add to that? Are there extracurriculars that I can add to? Are there clubs I can do? Is there a grant I could work on? So you're expanding that opportunity in education based on just that salary that's listed. But now in my business, I'm very firm. This is what I do. This is what I charge. How do you feel about that? Does that work for you? And sometimes it might be a full fee. Sometimes it might be, well, it's a nonprofit and we don't charge this way, but how about we give you all the emails to our clients that might be future clients of ours? So there always needs to be something I'm getting out of it and something they're getting out of it. Because if there's not a mutual give and take, it's not going to be a good ending. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Kathy, you were learning the basics of money, budgeting, insurance, kind of added to that with negotiation skills. You meet your husband. He has three children. What money conversations were you guys having as you were deciding to get married? And how did those conversations go? I had no clue how much kids cost. (laughs) (laughs) And to understand that, you know, when you married somebody who's divorced, there's child support, there's alimony, there's all those things. And again, I got that education firsthand of, wow, okay, I need to work. His insurance is better than mine. We have those types of conversations. Do we want future children? And will I work? Will I stay home? All those things that impact money, where we should live, where we should handle allowance. How do we teach our kids the value of a dollar? We talked about everything. And it was never a strain. It was fun. And it was exciting. But I have to say, he was more interested in money and long-term planning than I was. And I trusted his expertise. He was very organized. I really didn't care about all that stuff, to be honest. Our life was full. I was teaching full-time. We had three kids and we're planning for two more. I was happy to hand over the reins. So you're handing over the reins. I'm curious because we see this oftentimes with clients when there's blended families, the money conversations can be a little bit strained because of what you were saying before, child support, spousal support payments. And sometimes there's a bifurcation and a common model that we'll see is that when one spouse had a prior family and then that family's coming together with the new spouse and there's new children that the new spouse is taking their assets and portioning it toward their biological children. Did you guys have any of those struggles? Because based on what you're saying, it sounds pretty easy. Well, all was not right all the time. Okay. And as a step parent, there's a lot of emotions that can be involved in that. And 
feeling not the first, putting on the back burner. And so emotionally, we bring a lot of that to this financial conversation. And now I'm thinking, well, now it's group money and I'm contributing to it. And I didn't like that at first. I was uncomfortable with it. But this is what I chose, knowing this. But I didn't anticipate the feelings around it. We really started deciding how to do this. And my husband was an airline pilot, and he had opportunities to fly extra flights and do things. And so we chose to do a couple of those a year to help plan and balance how I was feeling, really. He was such a selfless person, and he put me, the kids, and really taking care of his ex-wife first. That means something to me. His character of doing that taught me that, you know what, maybe I need to get over myself, and this is family, and we're going to do the very best we can with the resources we have, and we have an abundance. And I want to highlight that it sounds like you were recognizing that you were having strong emotional reactions, and it sounds like you were talking with him about it. Yes. You're using that key to to set yourself (laughs) free. (laughs) Yes. I do believe I chose this. I chose to marry a man with three children and I do it if he had 10. Okay. And so sometimes I need to have my little pity party and pout, get over myself and say, okay, we got this and move forward. And it's okay to have those feelings. Absolutely. But Kathy, you didn't choose a husband who'd have a brain tumor and pass away. And that tragedy is just, it's awful. I can feel it. And then the fear around money that all of a sudden you now have to think about it all the time, not just think about it. You got to deal. You got to make the right decisions for your family. Would you share with us how you went through the process of learning about your financial resources and making those decisions and gaining the confidence? Wow, you were grieving. I just want to acknowledge that and add to what Cami was saying. First of all, thank you. John changed my life. Some people come into our lives for a reason, a season, and a lifetime. He came into it for all three. And what I've learned from his organization of financial things, he fought cancer for five years. So we had some time. I started going with him to the financial advisor that I had never had gone before. I started meeting, you know, the estate attorney, all of the trust stuff, starting to get informed there. And there's a sense of guilt that I didn't have an interest. I didn't have an interest. I didn't know about money. I didn't go to these meetings prior. I was sort of embarrassed. Isn't that interesting? It's a common feeling. Yeah. And so we had some time and we had a great financial advisor who I continued with, and he really supported me well beyond the numbers. I'll be the first to admit, I don't know everything about money investing in long-term, but I know enough to know when to ask. I have people in my corner to go to. And what really helped me in that time was people helped me get organized. My father-in-law came in and handled all my files and he got everything done. And My brother-in-law handled the estate with the kids and helped me with the life insurance and all of that. 
my parents from Montana basically moved in the last year of John's life and really helped me manage all of this. And it's like the volume of paperwork to build a house. It's just daunting. And the phone calls you have to make. And people helped me make those phone calls and close accounts. And what I've learned is that if you are in that scenario, you got to ask people for help. Write down a list, whatever. And then when someone says, what can I do to help? Here you go. Can you call these people? And if you are in a position of helping, getting organized and calling these people is like the biggest asset. Because you get on the phone and you say, I have to cancel a credit card on my husband's account and they pass you over. And after the third pass, you're like in tears and you're like, my husband died. I need to talk to somebody, blah, blah, blah. And it sounds so cold, but people don't know. And you've got maybe a hundred of those to do and you're grieving and it's exhausting. You can't even remember from one day to the next. And so when you can have a financial person that really gets you organized, can pace it out. Okay, this is the only 10 things we're going to work on this month. This is what I'm going to help with. Here's your one pager, blah, blah, blah. Those were key things. I'm going to digress and tell you another little story. So when my husband got sick, he said, you know, remember how you've always wanted to have a fashion boutique? And I said, well, yes, because I want to be here to see you do it. And so we opened a clothing boutique together. We took out some money of our savings. Five days later, I was down in Los Angeles buying for this clothing boutique. Wow. And he was the CFO. You know, I was the CEO. It was called Montana Blues because I get the blues for home. It was total girly fashion fun. I had it through his death. After he died, I got the reality of, you know what? I got to go back to work. I got to go back to teaching. I don't have insurance. I had a year from his death from Cobra. I have to go back to teaching and providing for my family, new life insurance, all of those things. I've got to have health insurance for my family. A death forces you to make hard decisions. And I don't regret a day. If I knew the outcome, I'd do it all over. Wow. But the lessons I've learned, I don't want my kids to ever be in that position. I don't want to ever be in that position. And my grandfather always said, don't let money influence an important decision. I think money influences every decision. And even now, as I'm headed towards thinking about retirement, I taught in two retirement systems, CalPERS and CalSTRS, because I was a public educator and then now I'm a university professor. And combining those two and looking at time I took off to child rear and caregive affects the numbers. Mm -hmm. And women need to know this. My three daughters and my two daughters-in-laws, they need to know this. So that's my quest in my personal life to help my own family in those conversations. What a great quest. I want to underscore a couple comments you made about your journey. One was having the team in place. That's really important. We talk a lot about there's something about finances sometimes where we think we have to know it all and do it all. 
And you talked about the team from your financial advisor to the family that stepped in and wherever you get your team, you get them. And then the importance of you use pace it out. I love that. We've also talked about chipping away. That's a term I think about. You chip away. You can't do everything at once. Pace it out is even a better visual that you just got to slowly make it happen. You can't tackle it all at once or otherwise nothing happens. Especially in a period of transition when those emotions are running hot and you're trying to sort yourself out. Well, that's the heart of the PE teacher, you know, is pace. (laughs) (laughs) I go back to that. And truly in my grief training, pace is the acronym for how I teach grief literacy to financial. What's it stand for? Preparedness, action, communication, empowerment. And that's how you want to pace a griever that's going through this journey. Kathy, when you're husband died in those early days as you were becoming the sole person in charge of your family's finances. Were you talking about money with your family at that point? No, no, we didn't talk about anything. We played, we laughed, we ate pie, we had fun. We walked on the beach. We just embraced every single day. And there's something beautiful about having and knowing someone's going to die. The other stuff doesn't matter at that time. What is is what is after it. I don't regret spending those days and cuddling in his hospital bed, having the kids read books to him, blowing bubbles, listening to music. We just had a wonderful time. There's something that changes when you experience that. Because he didn't teach me about dying. He taught me how to live. Mm. And I would hope that that's what I taught my kids and raising them. We didn't go to everything. We were dropouts of sports. We just did what we wanted. We played hooky those next 10 years of their lives. I made a house full of fun and play and reminders of their father. And I don't regret one minute of that. Okay, thank you for sharing these wonderful stories. I love that you are emphasizing the importance of truly embracing life and what your experiences have taught you. I'm curious, what's your next money conversation going to be and who's it going to be with? It's going to be with my mom. My mom lives in Montana and she's also a widow. My dad died about 10 years ago, and she is really wanting to get organized. And with her finances, we want to start talking with her of what she wants to do, where things are. And it's hard with four siblings to get us all on board. So I'm going to be the one helping her get organized because I've lived it and learned a few tricks along the way. So I look forward to spending this time with my mom. Oh, Kathy, that sounds wonderful. I need you to come over and help me get organized after that. Would you share with our listeners, where's the best place to find you? The best place to find me is either on LinkedIn or Twitter, Kathy Balasic, or my website, kathybalasic.com. I love talking with people. I love sharing my story, if it would help them, sharing what works, what doesn't. We're all in this together. We sure are. And thanks for 
joining us on Money Tales and sharing your story and talking beyond our conversations about grief and money. It's so important. Thank you. This was a joy and a privilege, and I'm just honored that you asked me to be here. So I'm sending you all big love, big success, and impact for the people that you reach. Thanks for listening to the Money Tales podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with someone you think would benefit from listening and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. Your ratings and reviews help more people find our podcast. If you're inspired to gain clarity and peace of mind about financial matters, don't hesitate to reach out to our team at Asperient. Go to asperient.com forward slash start a dialogue. Or you can email Sandy and me at podcasts at See you next time.